Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. Let's talk about Mitchell Scott Lewis, our special guest here. He has been a professional astrologer in the Big Apple, New York City, for more than two decades, specializing in financial astrology and medical chart interpretation. Now, throughout the 90s, he worked on the floor of the New York Mercantile Exchange and became well-known as an astrological trader and market analyst. And as a result... His international astrology clientele include leading financiers as well as health professionals, renowned entertainment industry figures, people from all walks of life, and he has accurately predicted a number of world events. His website, all linked up at coasttocoastam.com. Mitchell, welcome back, my friend. How are you? Good, George. How nice to be back again. What a time to be an astrologer. My (laughs) gosh. Well put, my friend. What is happening to the planet these days, Mitchell? It, well, everything you know, seems up and down. Well, I tell you, I have a couple of friends in New Orleans, and they have called oh, God. in the last two days and said, what should we do? We're in between several eclipses, which you may have heard. And uh, the eclipses are, can, are they're unpredictable, a word astrologers don't particularly like. But they are, they're extremely stressful. And with a retrograde Mercury going on now as well. Uh, New Orleans, you know, I, I basically what I told them is get out of town quick. Yeah. Go north, stay in a hotel for two days. If you don't get flooded out, thank God you go back home. If you do, you know, you'll be happy that you're safe. Very difficult times. Since Hurricane Katrina, they think they have been able to shore things up, but if those things go again, we're going to lose that city. You know, we're seeing wildfires and earthquakes, and the, the earthquake recently in California, needless to say, frightened all of you out there. I, can, I can't blame you at all. It's a very explosive period. Look, you know, George, we, last time I was on the show, we, I, I talked uh, about 2020. Yes, and you were a little concerned about 2020. Yeah, I'm still very concerned. All right. 20, look, 2020 is a time of great stress. But it's also a potential time for great change. And one of the things that I'd like to get across today to your listeners is that, well, there's two things. One is, under periods of great stress, if you give in to it, you lose. If you hold yourself together, the the French philosopher Voltaire once said, God is a comedian playing to an audience that's afraid to laugh. I lo- always love that quote, and it, it's so true. If we keep our sense of humor, if we can keep our sense of connection and of sharing and of being together, we can survive anything. And, and this period is going to be very stressful because we're getting a huge buildup of planets in the sign of Capricorn. And Capricorn rules stability, structure. It rules the outside of the house. It rules land. It rules banking. And we're going to have... Pluto, Saturn, Jupiter, Mars, all conjunct in Capricorn. And America's going through what's called its Pluto return. It takes about 240 years for Pluto to go around the zodiac, so you and I will never see it unless we're very unlucky. Uh, but planets, I mean, uh, countries and even corporations will see their Pluto return if they last long enough. Tremendous change. What Pluto rules in the body is the elimination of waste. It rules all the parts of the body that remove waste. The erythra, the colon, even the sweat glands, even the tear ducts. Mm. Any way that we remove waste in the body, that's Pluto. 
So we're going through our Pluto return, and anything that isn't working in our culture is going to be looked at and hopefully changed, and we can get rid of some things that have been holding us back as a species, and especially America as a country. You know, we've reached this, this incredible place of, of uh, tension. We're like a married couple that scream across the kitchen table at each other because they don't listen any longer. Uh, my hope is that this period is going to shake that loose. Now, I, am, I am by nature an optimist. You know, I'm an astrologer, so I'm supposed to scare the hell out of people. Now, when you talk, though, about stress in 2020, not only can it be emotional stress, but it could be planetary stress like these earthquakes going to be planetary and it's going to be financial and I, I would like to get into both of those topics okay uh in terms of the planet yeah there's no question about it i mean we're seeing it all over the place it's been building up for the last few years uh hurricanes wildfires droughts things are changing we need to adjust accordingly and we're a pretty smart species so we can figure things out um i am a little concerned mostly for California. I happen to love California. Whenever I can get out there, it's one of my favorite places in the world. A long way for, uh, from New York. Yeah, <laughs> all the way. Well, they have a new invention. It's called an airplane. Yeah, exactly. Um, so all of that's going to be <laughs> coming on. Also, just to give your listeners the astrology of it, the planet Uranus, which rules erratic change, unpredictability, is in the sign of Taurus, also an Earth sign like Capricorn. So when, when Uranus goes through Taurus, the last time that it went through Taurus, we had the Great Depression. We had the Dust Bowls of the Midwest. And it's conceivable that something like that, that sort of a pattern could occur again. Uh, certainly we're praying it doesn't. But we're, we're, we need to be psychologically prepared for whatever comes up. And since we have no control over that, all we have control over is our own lives and our relationships, I bring it down to the personal whenever possible. That brings me to the stock market. Which is still booming right now. Absolutely. And you know what happens before every crash? It goes up. That's right. <laughs> well, I mean, what's the old saying, Mitch? What, what goes, goes up, up must come. That's right. <laughs> You're right, George. Absolutely. And this is my concern. I've been doing a series of lectures on the East Coast, and I'll make it out to the West, I hope, by the end of the year. But uh, I was in Philadelphia, New York, I'm going to Boston, Connecticut, you know, uh, Baltimore. And I'm doing a lecture on the stock market, uh, which is one of my favorite topics because I spent so much time down on Wall Street. And right now, the stock market is a debt fuel bubble. And just like the dot-com bubble and the mortgage bubble, it will eventually pop. And then what happens is panic selling takes place, and people get out at the worst possible time. Mm -hmm. Now, this isn't just my opinion. Some of the biggest hedge fund people in the world have been saying this. One of them, one of my favorite ones, recently did an interview. And when he was asked, uh, would he raise interest rates? He said, I would sneak one in every time financial conditions allowed. And hopefully by some point, the rates would be high enough that we'd have an appropriate rate for investments where people won't do stupid things like they have in the past. Interesting. Yet now they're talking about lowering them again. Yeah, and it's, you know, I mean, I, I, the, the problem is deflation is what's happening, and it's blinding the Federal Reserve. 
because they're not seeing other potential recession signals. Corporate, look, this is what's happened. Corporate debt has ballooned faster than corporate profits and interest costs. So for the first time in history, we have massive deficit and full employment. And as this one hedge fund guy wrote, God help us if we get in a recession, because we won't have the tools to get out of it quickly, and then it will linger for a long period of time. I've been advising my clients for quite some time, especially the older ones. Take your money out of the stock market. If it goes up and you lose a little, okay, you know, you, you, you can't pick the top or the bottom of a market. You try and get something out of the middle. But if I'm right and the crash happens, they'll get out and they'll, they'll lose a great deal of their retirement funds. If you're 35 years old and you have money in a retirement fund, leave it. Stock market always comes back. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't, uh, we get much bigger problems. You, you can't lose what you don't sell. Yeah, right. Technically. But if, but if you're older, if you're 55, 60, 65, you know, 70, and you might need that money in the next few years if you want to move, if you have a health issue, whatever comes up, I would protect those resources. And, uh, you know, and I get a lot of calls about this, and that is pretty much what I'm advising. And we're trying to find places for people to put their money where they can get some income, passive income. Mm-hmm. There are some stocks that I think you should hold on to. My mother, we've had AT&T in my family for two or three generations. And my mother gets the dividends from it. And I'm very happy for it. Between that and the pension, the Social Security, she makes a living. She gets by okay. Yeah, and she's getting quite old, but she's amazing. <laughs> we just, <laughs> she's in her 90s. We just extended yeah. the lease on her yeah. car. My, mine just turned 90 and drives herself as oh, well. Oh, isn't that great? I mean, <laughs> it is and it isn't. It scares me a little bit. Me too. But, you know, me yeah. too. But you know what? For some reason, I think it keeps them even younger than they are. Oh, my God. When my mother can't get out... Uh, she's, that's when she freaks out. Yep. When she can get out and shop and do things, you know, she's old. But I, I just tell my mom, do not drive in that Detroit snow. Just let it melt. Let the roads clear. Don't, oh my God, don't try to be a hero. Absolutely. Well, we're in the same position, yep. George. Yeah. And my, my mom's even a few years older than yours. And, um, but, but, you know, so those kinds of, of dividend paying stocks and AT&T is relatively cheap. It trades between around 29 and 33 $34 a share. Uh, most people don't have enough money to buy Apple or Google or, you know, Priceline.com. You get a thousand shares of, of uh, Apple is 180 something thousand dollars. That's a lot of money. That's for a lot of money for a lot of people. Right. But if you have a stock that's a little cheaper, you can buy a thousand shares and you can get the dividend from it. That's not a bad investment. The bonds aren't paying very much right now. You get about 2%, 2.5%. Um, and, you know, there's also an inversion in the bonds that hasn't happened uh, for some time where the short-term bonds were paying a higher rate than the long-term bonds, and that's a, a, a historic indicator of a coming in, uh, recession. Were you a investor and in, in marketeer first or an astrologer first? I was an astrologer since I was very young. They brought me on the floor as an astrologer, not as a financier. How did that tie-in become a reality? Because not many astrologers will go, I'm going to be you know, a financial expert. It's interesting. How that happened? I was bartending. Uh, I'm also a musician, as you may know. Yeah, and that's I, right. I, and I, a good one. Yeah, oh, yeah thank you very much. I, 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 love my, I love music probably more than anything else. But 
you know, you get a little older, it's not so much fun playing gigs until 2 o'clock in the morning. Exactly. It doesn't pay all the bills either. Right. So you make more money as an astrologer. <laughs> and I was downtown uh, in uh, the Wall Street area in Battery Park City. And some of my clients were commodities brokers, and they would bring in the charts of the commodities, and I would look them over. And I had my ephemeris with me all the time, and I started to, to see correlations. And a few of them came to me, and they said to me, cotton is trading at $1.17 a pound. Even in the Civil War, it never went above a dollar a pound. What's going on? People are making or losing a fortune every day they can't get out of the trade because it goes limit lock. Uh, a commodity can only go in its futures only a certain amount. Cotton can only move three cents a day. But three cents in cotton is $1,500 per contract. So some people who were short cotton, they're losing $1,500 a day on each contract they have. They have 10 contracts, it's $15,000 a day they're losing. So they brought me on the floor. They said to me, can you figure out when cotton's going to crash? And I knew <laughs> that this could be the shortest career in, in history if I failed. So I did some very fast research, and I used my intuition, and I decided that cotton is ruled by the planet Venus. It grows in the ground. It makes pretty things. Women like it. It's, you know, it's a feminine thing. And so I said, we have a full moon coming in Libra. Libra's ruled by Venus. And I took a chance. I said, well, you know what? You've got to be gutsy sometimes. I said, the top of the cotton market is going to be Tuesday on that Libra full moon. Now, was this instinct that had you do that? Well, it wasn't completely instinct because once they put me on the floor and they gave me what's called a, an analyst badge, I could use the computers and look at 20 years of the history of the, history of the commodity. Yeah. So I grabbed my ephemeris and I'm looking at it and I'm going back and forth. And again, this was like a, a three-day crash course and I had to be right. And so, but it was a lot of instincts, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, and I just, I was right. We come in on that day, and they, they only shorted a few lots. They were scared. They didn't know me. I was an unknown entity. And cotton opens up for the first time in weeks at unchanged. It doesn't do anything. It goes up five ticks. It comes down. It goes down five ticks. It comes up. And then right before lunch, the phones start ringing off the wall, and it goes limit down. And remember, we're short. We want it to go down. We want it to go down. It goes limit down for the next eight days. Wow. We made a ton of money. Then they're screaming, what about silver? What about gold? What about <laughs> coffee? <laughs> Deutschmarks, everything. So I started my career. And I worked really, really hard with one of my trading partners. We, he used to sit with the book of the commodity, and I would sit with the ephemeris, and I would tell him historically when the top and the bottom of the market was. Now, did your astrological knowledge back up the trends that you saw in the marketplace? Completely. Completely. That's why I was able to, to ultimately, uh, uh, I, I saw the, the end of the dot-com bubble come because the, the planets were leaving signs and going to another sign. I'll give you a, a perfect example. In 2005, uh, I'm doing some lectures and I'm on uh, some local TV, and I see that Saturn is about to leave the sign of cancer. Saturn rules the housing market. Cancer rules the inside of the home. And it, then after it leaves, that sign is going to have a negative aspect to the planet Neptune, which causes confusion, dissolves things. I said, this is the top of the housing market. This is the very top of it. And if you look back in July 2005, the same month that Saturn left cancer, that was the top of the housing market.
That was and perfect. it started to go down rapidly, and when it came to Neptune, that's when the crash happened. And then it was followed by the stock market crash, which happened also under a Saturn aspect. Now, in November of uh, 2020, with the presidential election, mm-hmm. if the economy is booming, it's going to help the incumbent Donald Trump. Absolutely. If it's not, it's going to hurt him. Any ideas? Well, I'll tell you something funny. <laughs> I think no matter who gets elected, the stock market crash is going to occur right after inauguration. Right after. Okay, what yeah. about before? Well, I think that these mar- that this market is being manipulated. I think the stock market is always manipulated. Sure, and it's all right. Uh, and I think that they're going to try very hard to keep it uh, puffed up. Propped up, yep. Uh, you know, a lot of people like uh, uh, Mr. Trump's policies, and, they, and especially his financial uh, approach. So a lot of people are, are kind of rooting that this will continue, but some of the uh, some of the weak spots are starting to show already, and I'm inclined to think that before the election we might see not a crash, but we might start to see a bear market. I thought we were going to see it last December. It stayed strong. Yeah, well, they, they pumped it right back up again. Yeah. And, but, and they're doing it, of course. That's why they're going to lower interest rates. The big fear here is, regardless of the politics of it, okay, the fear here is that if they continue to manipulate the markets in order to puff them up, eventually what will happen is that, that the crash will be un- untenable. They, they won't be able to fix it. Will it be worse than 2008? There's a good chance that it will be. Oh, my gosh. That's this huge. Is why, this is what bothers me. It's, it scares me because I don't want to see people go through this again. That's, that was horrible for people. And a lot of people still haven't recovered. No, that's, that's absolutely true. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.